When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. What is going on, Throwdown Nation, on this Sunday evening? What an just unbelievable slate of games we had and just some mind-numbingly strange plays that went on uh, throughout the course of the day for week three in the NFL. Uh, So uh, let's get right down to it because, uh, you know, the shocker of the day and, you know, this cost me quite a bit of chunk of change between survivor pools, just looking at how the game was going live and thinking there's no way this is going to hold. You know, the Minnesota Vikings at home, 16 and a half point favorites, 16 and a half point favorites, 16 and a half point favorites, just so I can repeat that to you folks at home against a lowly Bills team with a rookie quarterback playing in his second NFL game in Josh Allen, a Bills team without LaShawn McCoy, who was sitting out with a rib injury because they didn't want to risk it against the uh, Minnesota defense that is hard-hitting. No LaShawn McCoy. No discernible receivers to speak of. The Minnesota Vikings at, again, I remind you, 16.5-point favorites manage to get their asses handed to them and lose 27 to 6 to the Bills. And what was the biggest upset in the past 24 years in the NFL in terms of point spread? No significant point spread was overcome by a wide amount in 24 years. And to the extent that this wasn't even a close decision. This was well sealed in doubt uh, like since the uh, middle of the third quarter when Minnesota still had not recorded four first downs as of yet. They were still struggling to get four first downs towards the end of the third quarter. A Minnesota offense that still had not had 100 yards of offense yet a Minnesota offense that still had Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs fully healthy 
I mean, there's like no rhyme or reason to say this other than the Minnesota Vikings laid a complete and other egg. I mean, I, I you know, there's just no nice way of putting it other than it's in front of their home fans. The Minnesota Vikings laid a turd so foul that everyone was heading for the exits as soon as they could. I, I mean, this was one of the most pitiful performances you will ever see out of a potential Super Bowl contender. There is no justifying this result. It wasn't even as though the Bills were doing anything that spectacular. This was just Minnesota being unable to get out of their own way. Multiple turnovers. Kirk Cousins looking pitiful. Just throwing bad passes. Fumbling in the pocket because he's not reading the pass rush from the Bills. A Bills front line that was absolutely dominating the front line's uh, uh, play with uh, the Minnesota offensive line being overwhelmed. I, I mean, it wasn't close. It, you know, again, from the, onst, uh, from the onset of the game, even after halftime with Minnesota down multiple scores, no response from, the, uh, from Minnesota. None whatsoever. I can't. Like, for the life of me, even I thought, like, you know, second half, got to bet on Minnesota because there's no way they can come out as flat for the second half as they did for the first. I mean, it's just as, uh, it is just as perplexing as it will ever get in terms of an actual uh, sporting event because pretty much every expert put this as one of the most lopsided matchups you will ever see. And yeah, it was one of the most lopsided matchups you'll ever see. In the opposite direction completely. You, you will, It will be the biggest upset of the year. As much as we talked about Fitzmagic beating the Saints in the Superdome, this was far worse because at least Tampa had an offense. The Bills don't have an offense. They barely had a defense. Vontae Davis walked out on the team at halftime last week. When the Bills were already down multiple corners. The Bills still are down multiple corners. And yet still bottled up a Minnesota offense that was supposed to be top 10 in the league. Even without Dalvin Cook. I mean, again, this is mind-boggling what happened today. Because no one can put a finger as to what the hell happened. It will be very interesting to see what Minnesota does from here on out, because clearly there are issues on that offensive line that have to be addressed. But the fact that they didn't have a pulse whatsoever on offense or on defense to actually get back in that game, no big plays caused by that Minnesota defense, no big plays generated by that offense. Inexplicable how they got their asses handed to them for 60 minutes without so much as a counterpunch nothing out of this team. I mean, that's the biggest shock of them all. It wasn't even like they tried a furious comeback. There wasn't even resistance. They just kind of accepted it for what it was and went along their way. I mean, anyone betting the second half action, I mean, it it, it was just, you know, you're just scratching your head because you can't figure out what just happened here. Did we completely get it wrong? Or were the bills not as bad as we originally thought? I still think the Bills are bad, even without Nathan Peterman behind center. But man, oh man, like the Vikings, the stink from this game will permeate for the rest of the season. 
just because no one in the public is actually going to trust him after this debacle. Not at all. And so for the Lions going forward with the Vikings, I'm sure Vegas is going to try to take advantage of uh, Joe, Joe Public's perception because I would venture to say that 70% of suicide pools uh, were whittled down to less than 25% of the remaining pool because of this game. So many folks were on this game just because it was a safe enough pick that it between the Bears being iffy and the Jags being the Jags and Blake Bortles, you weren't exactly sure who to go with, so you went with the Vikings game because that was the safe game. Obviously not. But, you know, it is mind-boggling, to say the least, that a 16.5-point favorite got absolutely smoked in their home building without injuries being a factor in the in the mix. So just to put a bow on this one, in terms of the fantasy impact, you have Josh Allen leading all scorers with 27 points on 15 to 20 passing, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, basically, uh, he had a rushing touchdown. Uh, actually, two rushing touchdowns. So, I, I mean, again, this was just a mess. Two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he threw for one as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you know, <laughs> it, it, it's just like you can't, you can't like talk about how ridiculous this game ended up being. I mean, Chris Ivory was uh, had 15 points on uh, just a, a bunch of uh, touches, so he had 20 carries, and he also caught uh, three passes for uh, 70 yards. Uh, but uh, just a lot of, a uh, lot of uh, just a, uh, just a blah from the Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins completed 40 passes today on 55 attempts and only had 296 yards. That's how much check down Charlie was going on with Minnesota today. I mean, just dink and dunk and more dinking. Uh, I mean, there was just nothing going on and. Because the game got out of hand so quickly because of the turnovers by Cousins, uh, I mean, Latavius Murray didn't even run the football. I mean, mean, he ended up catching five passes, but, I mean, that was basically it. That's how he got his points. There was nothing else going on uh, for the Vikings because Adam Thielen caught 14 passes today but only had 105 yards. I mean, it was so dink and dunk, there was nothing going on. Like, Minnesota just could not block, and, you know, Cousins was just afraid for his life, basically, and just kept checking down the pass. Uh, But, uh, you know, again, there really wasn't much to talk about this game, so let's just keep it moving because, uh, you know, I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. So uh, we have Carolina uh, beating Cincinnati 31-21. This was a good performance by uh, the Panthers here. Because they could have easily gone by the wayside and just try to force the pass and just turn the ball over. Uh, Cam only threw the ball 24 times, but to to be honest, that was fine. Uh, You know, because Christian McCaffrey got a ton of touches. The the speeches by Ron Rivera about Christian McCaffrey carrying the ball quite a bit, uh, you know, it wasn't hyperbole or BS. Like, he he was being legit about it because... Uh, the amount of, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had 28 carries. 
you know, yeah, he caught a, uh, he caught two passes as well, but this was all uh, just uh, going along the lines of uh, running the football with uh, the the Lions. Uh, you know, the Lions. I mean, not not the Lions. The Panthers. Uh, uh, the Panthers literally just uh, bu- uh, buckled down and just took it to the Bengals uh, front four and had their way with them. Uh, so. That was uh, pretty impressive, uh, I'll say. It, it was, uh, you know, I was expecting big things from Devin Funches. I mean, he did catch a touchdown, so he he put up 16 points uh, on uh, DraftKings. But, uh, and, you know, because Cam ran for two touchdowns inside the red zone, I mean, that was the reason why McCaffrey didn't have a bigger day running the football. Uh, because, I mean, again, 28 carries for 184 yards, nothing to sniff at. I mean, that was... Uh, that was man's work right there. So for the folks who said that like McCaffrey rushing for twenty plus times couldn't get couldn't get it done for Carolina, guess what? Uh, McCaffrey is the lead back. There is no C.J. Anderson exposure here. I mean, C.J. Anderson caught a pass for a touchdown, but for all intents and purposes, this was the Christian McCaffrey show. And you know he he's not just a pass catching back. He can run between the tackles because. A lot of those were tough yards, too, that he had gained. So uh, that was my takeaway from this. Gio Bernard did what he does best. He, he uh, ran between the tackles for a little bit, but, not, uh, you know, he. Uh, I thought he was going to get somewhere around 12 to 15 uh, carries. He ended up at 12. He had uh, five catches for 25 yards on nine targets. So he got to his 19 points on DraftKings and PPR uh, formats, uh, you know, again, nothing that's going to blow you away uh, because this was the thing that Mixon, uh, Mixon has that home run capability. Uh, Geo doesn't, but like he's productive. So uh, that's what I expect out of Bernard uh, moving forward with Mixon out uh, out for a few weeks uh, with the knee injury. Uh, Bernard's uh, going to keep solid. The, the question here is uh, AJ Green left the game, uh, you know, they uh, they mentioned that it was a hamstring issue. He did come back, but, you know, he was a bit limited. Uh, so the, the Bengals did end up uh, using Tyler Boyd, and Boyd came through. I mean, he had six catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. So he broke out today, uh, and, you know, if you played him in the DF, uh, DFS picks, uh, that uh, based on some of my recommendations, you did well for yourself because he put up over 25 points. But, uh, you know, this was a case where Andy Dalton reverted. He threw four picks. You know, he was kind of forcing it at the end. But, uh, you know, the, the Bengals, like I expected, I, th- I thought they were going to throw the ball a bit more. It, you know, it just didn't work out that way. It, you know, I thought they'd be able to take uh, more advantage of uh, the Panthers' defense. And while they did to an extent... It, you know, it ju- it just didn't, like, continue throughout the game. Uh, you know, the, I thought the Panthers did a good job adjusting, but uh, I thought the Bengals kind of missed some opportunities too earlier on in the game. Another game that didn't surprise me at all because I told you from my, uh, the spread picks that I was taking Washington uh, to win outright on the money line in addition to covering uh, as a home underdog. Uh, you know, the Washington wins this one. 31-17, everyone's going to talk about uh, the fact that, uh, it, you know, Clay Matthews got flagged for unnecessary roughness, and I'm going to get into that rant in a bit. But, you know, the story of this game was the fact that the Packers still cannot run the football. 
Uh, there was a lot of talk about Aaron Jones coming back into the mix. And with, between him, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery, the running attack would be looking a little bit better. You know, it's the same offensive line. They can't run block. They barely can pass block. But they definitely can't run block. And, you know, Jimmy Graham's not a blocking tight end. So they run into a ton of issues like this. And I think it's going to keep happening over and over and over again. I just don't think that there's uh, much in a way of improvement that you're going to see out of the Packers when teams uh, are clamping down on the outside and make it harder for him to target uh, Devontae Adams. And, uh, you know, if uh, Allison and Cobb are bottled up, you know, it, it's it's going to be tough sledding. Like, because Aaron Rodgers can't extend plays like he normally would, because he's got a knee injury. And those were not conditions to be moving around in with a bum knee. Uh, you know, the Redskins uh, didn't look all that impressive on offense. I mean, there was a lot of captain check down with Alex Smith. But, you know, Adrian Peterson was able to move the football on the ground. He was able to kind of bully the, uh, bully the Packers uh, on the offensive line at the point of attack. And, you know... AP was, uh, all day was like the focal point of the offense. Uh, you know, not a lot of, uh, production out of Chris Thompson. Once again, Jameson Crowder was, uh, you know, he got a touchdown, but outside of that touchdown, he was nowhere to be seen. And Richardson caught a touchdown, but out, uh, that was the only reception of the game. I mean, the Redskins don't have a passing attack. Uh, so I, I can't take them seriously. Uh, you know, they got a bye week and, you know, maybe they figure out some things, but, you know, I I, I just think that they're a pretender. Right? There, there's just not enough there with that team. They should be better than what they are, but, you know, I don't, I don't see anything else. But, like, the Packers are in definite trouble. I, I, I firmly believe that. You know, they can complain all they want about the unnecessary roughness, but, you know, while that did lock up the game for Washington on uh, keeping the drive alive. The problem is that the, the Packers defensively can't uh, can't really force the issue. And offensively, if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing at like, t- like 10 out of 10, that team cannot rise above and take care of business. So uh, that, that's, a, uh, that's a miss there uh, as well for Green Bay. So uh, you know, just a lot of questions and not a whole lot of answers uh, to it. So moving on, you got Baltimore and Denver. Uh, you know, this is just like, you know, the Case Keenum experiment is over. You know, I I, I was calling them out the last couple of weeks and like some folks are saying, got to give it time. But, you know, this is it. It's like... There is no way you can tell me that Case Keenum is playing that much better than Trevor Simeon. And to me, Trevor Simeon is more mobile than Case Keenum. Uh, I firmly believe that the Broncos have a quarterback crisis looming immediately. Because Case Keenum ain't getting it done. He was a system quarterback last year with the Vikings. He got the benefit of the doubt and got a big contract from the Broncos. For reasons I don't understand, because John Elway should should be able to identify quarterbacks. He clearly can't, judging by how he gave that money to uh, Case Keenum freely. Uh, it, but this is just a mess right now, because Case Keenum can't move the ball. 
Philip Lindsay got himself ejected from the game, like in the most idiotic fashion, throwing a punch to the Ravens player, uh, jumping on a dog pile. Devontae Booker is ineffective. Royce Freeman, also ineffective, even though he scored a touchdown. He really didn't dictate a whole lot. But, you know, again, I'm not expecting the Broncos to be able to run the football that effectively against the Ravens anyway. The problem is that Case Keenum cannot throw people open. He needs wide open players, and this is not the kind of offense that's going to get him that. I mean, uh, Adam Thielen uh, is able to create space by being a little bit physical, and Stefan Diggs has great athletic ability, uh, high pointing the ball, and running past defenders. You know, he doesn't have that right now in, uh, uh, with the Broncos because Demarius Thomas, at this stage of his career, He's a good face-up uh, receiver, and he can overpower uh, defenders once he gets the ball in his hands. And Emmanuel Sanders is a fine route runner, but he's not going to create as much separation as those other guys I mentioned. So, again, this is a limitation of Case Keenum as a quarterback. I don't think he fits this team at all. And to be honest, I think uh, Trevor Simeon is a better option. But, you know, they gave the money to Case Keenum, so they're going to give him every opportunity to fail. But... You know, I just don't see where the Broncos are going to do much. Uh, you know, outside of that, like for the Ravens, uh, you know, Joe Flacco was yonts to painting as usual. Uh, uh, 25 of 40, 277 with uh, one uh, passing touchdown. Really didn't do a whole lot, but didn't cost his team either by throwing picks. Uh, Buck Allen is out, is, uh, didn't out-touch Alex Collins. Alex Collins... Did get 18 carries, but he didn't do a whole lot with them. Uh, he got 18 carries for 68 yards, scored a touchdown, but that's the only reason why he was keeping up because Buck Allen had a goal line carry as well, and he also caught a touchdown pass. Like the Ravens are in a timeshare right now, and you know neither running back is gonna outdistance himself from the other. But to me, they're both flex options. They're not running back to material. So. Uh, you can chuck that idea. So for those of you who took Alex Collins in the fourth round, uh, you know, you got to live with that decision. That's why you take uh, wide receivers instead of reaching for uh, running backs at times. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you, you know, it's a, it's kind of it's, it's a little bit too late for backsies. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Strau have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Um, you know, John Brown had another solid day. Uh, five catches for 86 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but like had another solid day. And Crabtree, another solid day. Seven catches, 61 yards. Didn't get in the end zone, but, you know, on DraftKings, you know, it's a solid day uh, in the office. Um... But, yeah, it, it, it's just one of those things where the Ravens are not going to blow you away. It's just you got to have Flacco stay in his lane. 
Speaking of staying in his lane, we have Blake Bortles. And I talked about this. If Blake Bortles plays like Blake Bortles, the Jags are going to have trouble. If Blake Bortles plays like Balake Bortles and uses his natural athletic ability, then the Jags are going to be fine. Blake Bortles showed up because the Tennessee Titans, knowing that Blaine Gabbert sucks, had a game plan in place where they were going to spy on Blake Bortles and make him be a quarterback. So Bortles did not have the option of uh, throwing uh, check down passes, did not have the option of running uh, running for a first down and, scram- and using his scrambling ability. Blake Bortles was forced to read through coverages and struggled mightily doing it. Uh, Blake Bortles was 21-34 for 155 yards. You know, if that doesn't sound like struggling, I don't know what is. Uh, Blaine Gabbert got knocked out of his game real early, and Marcus Mariota had to come into the game, but Marcus Mariota still cannot throw a football effectively. He was 12-18 for 100 yards. He can't throw passes beyond 10 yards. If anyone watched this game besides me, uh, you can you can call me out on it. But, you know, again, I did not see a single pass thrown by Marcus Mariota that went beyond 12 yards. His elbow is screwed up. And I don't know what the Titans are going to do. But a blank, I mean, Blaine Gabbert definitely isn't the answer. The Titans have got to bring in someone that can throw a football. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. But Marcus Mariota is not healthy enough to play the game of football right now. You know, they they somehow have strung together two wins that I can't put... For the life of me, I can't figure out how the, the Titans won these two games. I mean, outside of just piss-poor planning by the Texans and Jaguars of actually running an offense. Uh, but, you know, it was pitiful uh, today by the Jags. The defense obviously kept them in it, but the Jags' offense had no idea what to do with the football at any time, and Blake Bortles was uh, completely indecisive uh, when trying to read coverages. So it, it just made things that much worse uh, for the offense. Plus, without having uh, Fournette in there, you know, TJ Yeldon, you know, again, can catch the ball out of the backfield, can't really do a whole much in between the tackles. Uh, he was, uh, uh, he really just did not have much impact on the game running in between the tackles. So, uh, just an awful day on offense for uh, the Jaguars as uh, they go down nine to six, and it was as boring as that score sounds. Moving on, we've got the team that lost to the Titans last week, the te- uh, the Houston Texans. Facing my New York Giants, a team that desperately needed a win in a battle of 0-2 teams. Somehow the Giants managed to win this game despite the fact that they gave up a ton of sacks. You know, J.J. Watt had three sacks in this game, could have had about three more at the rate the game was going. You know, this was a case where the Giants just grinded out a win. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., nine catches, 109 yards on 10 targets. He balled out. Sterling Shepard, six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. This was a lot of just management of the clock, 
when you had opportunities. Uh, because between Eli and the rest of the offense, you know, they did their damnedest not to screw it up. So uh, they took what the defense gave them. Eli was 25 of 29 for 297 and two touchdowns. Gave up a bunch of sacks, but did not force the ball down the field for a turnover. You know, Saquon Barkley, 17 carries, 82 yards, and a touchdown, five catches for 35 yards. Again, nothing that's going to blow you away. But from the standpoint of the Giants, this is progress because they played a game to make sure they didn't lose it. And unlike the Jacksonville game, they didn't have the critical mistake. Unlike the Dallas game, they didn't let their miscues uh, short-circuit them. They just kept playing solid. Now, on the other hand, Houston, they've got a ton of issues. Uh, Tons of penalties. You know, Deshaun Watson works well with Will Fuller. DeAndre Hopkins still catching passes. But a lot of these drives just got short-circuited by Dumb, dumb penalties. I mean, the Texans had over uh, seven. Uh, they had at least uh, six or seven penalties, and it was just penalties that uh, either set back drives or gave Giants first downs. Like they, there is just too many things going on there, and you know, it, I, 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 this uh, Texans team is too talented. To be 0-3. I'll just flat out say it. They're too talented to be 0-3. I mean, they they outgained the Giants. But honestly, the Giants didn't have turnovers. And the Texans did. And that's the end of the story. It's like they lost the turnover battle. They had more penalties. That's how the Giants were able to beat them. Uh, You know, it's a 27-22 game. But, like, from a fantasy perspective, Will Fuller had a great day. Uh, caught another touchdown pass with uh, uh, Deshaun Watson, like so he put up 21 points. But you know, outside of that, not a whole lot coming from the te- Texans. They should they should be better than this, and right now they're not, and that's why they're own three. So uh, m- gonna move on to the Colts, and what did I say about Andrew Luck? His issue throwing the football down the field. Is very pronounced. The Colts are very are very scared of Aaron Drew Luck. The Colts played a, a relatively mistake free game, but they couldn't do anything when it mattered to beat the Eagles. They lost twenty to sixteen, you know, with a very conservative offensive game plan. Uh, Andrew Luck was twenty five forty for one sixty four and one touchdown, but on the final play of the game, when they have a chance to throw the ball in the end zone. Frank Reich pulls Andrew Luck in favor of Jacoby Brissett, and his rationale after the game was Brissett can get the ball into the end zone, which tells me that the Colts have legitimate concerns about Andrew Luck's arm strength being able to throw the ball over 40 yards. This is what I was talking about. Like Teams are picking up on the fact that the Colts can't stretch the field. And right now, you know, T.Y. Hilton is basically a fifth round pick if you're talking about it from a fantasy perspective because ty cannot get going and you know again it's another subpar performance by ty hilton Uh, the the colts have some issues because if andrew luck cannot throw the football deep this is gonna this is gonna be an issue 
And Eric Ebron, I know, is a big uh, popular pickup. Five catches, 33 yards, no touchdowns. You know, it's Eric Ebron. That's what you get. But on the Eagles' side, you know, a lot of rust from Carson Wentz, uh, 25 of 37, 255. Uh, you know, Corey Clement was still in the timeshare with Wendell Smallwood, so Clement had 16 carries to Smallwood getting 10 carries, but they both had 56 yards. Smallwood actually got the touchdown, so Smallwood was actually ended up being a better DFS play than Clement. You know, again, it's a game flow issue, but uh, that was the one concern about Clement was the fact that it, it could very well be a situation where Clement does not get all the carries, which actually happened to be the case today. But, uh, you know, yeah, Philly gets the W anyway, but uh, a lot of questions uh, about Andrew Luck and that shoulder, uh, you know, revealed. I, you know, it, it's just one where I don't think the coaching staff actually trusts him. So moving on to the impressive performance of the day, you got Pat Mahomes, three touchdown passes again, uh, you know, 25-38, for the Chiefs as they beat the 49ers. And the 49ers, you know, heart goes out to Jimmy Garoppolo, blows out his ACL and MCL towards the end of the game, trying to dash out of bounds, you know, non-contact injury, really feel bad, you know, season's obviously over, but, you know, you never like seeing a guy go down with that much talent. Uh, And, you know, San Francisco season's basically over because C.J. Bethard cannot play professional football as a quarterback. I don't care what the the metrics were saying about him. Bethard was going nowhere last year, which is the reason why Jimmy G got the start in the first place. And I talked about this on the podcast you know, when was Jimmy G going to get a shot? And then Jimmy G went on a roll, which is why everyone was talking him up. They're right back to where they started with Bethard. Uh, you know, downgrade every single person on this offense. Brita got hurt, came back. Doesn't matter. He's not doing anything the rest, uh, doing much the rest of the year with Bethard at QB because Bethard cannot stretch the field consistently. And, you know, I I just I have to downgrade every single 49ers player on offense. Uh, you know, Pierre Garçon is now back to being someone not worried of being rostered on fantasy football rosters. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is the only receiver I would trust on this team. But, you know, Kittle should still be able to put up numbers fantasy-wise. Uh, he, he had 13 points, but, you know, it, it's an absolute mess. Uh, for the 49ers, and it's a truly a shame, too, because, uh, you know, uh, they, they did look like they were going to have something going. Anyway, uh, in terms of Kansas City, Sammy Watkins did get in the end zone, so uh, he had 18 points. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a very quiet day, uh, only had two catches on five targets, and, you know, he, I mean, while he did have... Uh, 51 yards catching, you know, receiving, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, the flow wasn't going to him. Didn't really go to uh, Sam Watkins either. Uh, the receptions actually ended up going to Travis Kelsey. Uh, 10 targets, 8 receptions, 114 yards. Didn't get in the end zone. And then you had uh, a bunch of other players like Chris Conley, Damian Williams, 
just a lot of ball spread going on around by Mahomes, who was reading coverages. See, this is the thing I talk about with quarterbacks. A guy like Blake Bortles cannot read coverages properly, which is why he's Blake Bortles. But you see Patrick Mahomes, a guy the Bears like like decided to ignore and trade up and get M- Mitchell Trubisky, who's hot garbage. Uh, you know, it infuriates me with some of these teams and their scouts because I truly wonder what what they were looking at. Mahomes looks like he's already an NFL player uh, that, that's going to be a, an all-pro and a next uh, – he uh, like, I, I know folks are saying that he can make all-pro this year. You know, let's pump the brakes. But, you know, he can make all-pro consistently the next couple of years along with Deshaun Watson because I still believe in Watson as he gets healthy. Like, But Mahomes made a play today for a touchdown that you'd swear that was Aaron Rodgers out there playing. Uh, the way he was able to keep uh, move around, keep the pocket open, uh, and find a man in the back of the end zone. That was a tailor-made Aaron Rodgers play right along with the just rocket of an arm slinging the ball in there uh, into a tight window uh, that most quarterbacks can't do. Uh, you know, Mahomes is the real deal. You know, get, you know it... It is what it is. You got to get on the hype train. You can call it whatever you want. The man is producing. And, you know, I thought the 49ers had a good game plan. You know, uh, bracket the outside, force him to create plays on the outside and try to hit hit people, uh, hit his third and fourth uh, options. And guess what? Mahomes did that. I mean, he did everything uh, you would have asked a veteran QB to do. And he's a rookie in his fourth NFL career start. That was highly impressive. So, uh, to me, the, he was the MVP again this afternoon. And I haven't even gotten into the the, the zoo that was the uh, that was the Saints-Falcons game uh, that I'm getting into right now. Because uh, that was the game of the day. You know, no defense being played, but a whole lot of offense. Drew Brees, 39-49, 396. Three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. That's right. Drew Brees ran for two touchdowns on seven yards. You know, he had the the QB sneak uh, to win the game, and he had the game-tying touchdown on a scramble, which he should have been wrapped up on. But guess what? With the new hitting rules, uh, the Falcons defender was afraid of falling on top of him and getting a penalty, similar to the way Clay Matthews did today. You know, but be that as it may, uh, Drew Brees balled out. Kamara balled out. Uh, you know, he they tried running the ball with him. Uh, it was 16 carries for 66 yards. But guess what? He had 20 targets as a receiver. 15 catches. 124 yards on 20 targets. What did I say coming into this game? The fact that with all the injuries Atlanta had defensively, Kamara was going to have a field day coming out of the backfield. And that's exactly what happened. Because at no point did Atlanta have a set person on Kamara that can actually keep up with him. They tried everyone uh, to keep up with him foot speed-wise. It didn't matter who was on Kamara coming out of the backfield. He had his way with anyone Atlanta tried to match up, up with. And it was just an absolute slaughter. There, there was no getting around it. Like, just 
demolished Atlanta's secondary and linebacking core. No one could keep up with Kamara today. And they needed every single reception because Michael Thomas caught everything thrown to him. 10 catches on 10 targets for 129 yards. The most consistent receiver in football delivered again for the Saints. Uh, you know, I love Michael Thomas. I wish I could. I wish it worked out where I could have uh, actually had him on more fantasy teams. But you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, he is the most consistent receiver in football, and I know Antonio Brown's around. But to me, uh, Thomas is the most consistent guy in terms of hands and just getting into an angle where his quarterback can get him the ball. That's not always the case with uh, AB which is why he was complaining to the Steelers last week. But we'll get into that for tomorrow's show. But, uh, you know, just a great performance by the Saints. And again, on the Atlanta side, because I didn't even get into this, you know, Matt Ryan actually played well. You know, he put up the numbers. He did what he needed to do. And, uh, you know, they didn't get rewarded for it because of the fact that the defense couldn't guard the Saints. I mean, Matt Ryan went 26-35 for 374 and 5 TDs. Normally, I rip on Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan actually played a solid game today. He did what he needed to do. He got the ball to other options besides Julio Jones instead of forcing it into him. Calvin Ridley stepped up. Seven catches on eight targets for 146 yards and three touchdowns. Calvin Ridley became the second option when Julio Jones was blanketed by two defenders. Julio Jones, when he did break coverage, he had five receptions on six targets for 96 yards, including a big pass play for, uh, it was either like 46 or 47 yards down the field. That was the only time Julio Jones broke free. Other Other than that, he was basically bottled up by just having someone over the top of him with a safety along with a DB. You know, it was a a lot of... uh, just uh, trying to take Julio away from the Atlanta offense. And Matt Ryan actually did a decent job of getting the ball to Ridley and Muhammad Sanu. The issue being that, you know, even though Ridley had three touchdowns and Sanu had another touchdown and he had another, uh, uh, he had a pass catching touchdown for Coleman, the defense couldn't stop anyone. Neither defense could stop anyone. So when it came down to the overtime coin flip, I said I, I told folks that you know whoever wins the coin flip is going to win this game because I think they're going to score a touchdown, and sure enough, you know the Saints drive right down the field on a methodical drive that lasted over six and a half minutes, and they got the touchdown to win the game. It, you know, it's just one of those games where no one was going to uh, make a difference defensively, and it it just kind of came down to uh, uh, who had the ball at, uh, for the last possession, but heck of a game. So, getting into the afternoon slate, you had, you know, the Rams just be a juggernaut. Uh, you know, the Rams win 35 uh, to 23. 23 points for the Chargers because their kicker missed, missed an extra point, And it screwed up the Chargers the rest of the way through the game because they couldn't decide when to actually go for it and when to go for two. Because they needed that extra point to actually get back in the game. You know, ultimately, it, it didn't matter. Uh, the, you know, it, it was just going to go. It, it just wasn't going to work out in their favor. But, uh, you know, the Chargers tried to stay close with the Rams. But the Rams are just too good. I mean, even though Jared Goff had an interception, 
He was 29 to 36 for 354 and three touchdowns. Gurley had 100 yards rushing on 23 carries. You know, he had five receptions for 51 yards. The Rams just are a machine. Robert Woods had 10 catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns. And Cooper Cup had four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks had seven catches for 90 yards. Like, the three-headed monster passing attack for uh, the Rams is that good. You know, my fear for them was that they would all be wide receiver threes because you didn't know week to week who's going to be the man. It doesn't seem to matter because they're all getting touches because the Rams offense is operating at such a high level compared to every other defense in the league. Like, no one's been able to figure out the Rams yet. I'm curious to see, like, what strategies teams are going to employ because right now they look like the odds-on Super Bowl favorite uh, in the early goings because no one has been able to figure out a way of slowing them down yet. Outside of that first Monday night game with the Raiders when it wasn't really the Raiders doing anything, it was just more along the lines of the Rams being rusty, you know, somebody's got to figure out something to do against uh, – uh, the Rams because it's go- it's gonna stretch out further. It, there's no uh, there's no doubt in my mind about that. But uh, yeah, in terms of the overall fantasy production, uh, you know, for the top players, you know, dominated by uh, the Saints and Falcons players. I mean, Drew Brees and Matt Ryan were the top two QBs at forty points and thirty six points. Kamara was at 34 points. Uh, you had Gurley get 26 points. Receiving, Calvin Ridley led all receivers with 40 points. Robert Woods was at 33. Uh, Jordy Nelson actually had a good game with 29 points. Oh, I forgot to talk about that game. Uh, you know, yet another game where the Raiders were up in the fourth quarter and couldn't close the deal. Oh, guess what? It's because the Raiders don't have a pass rush. Yeah, well, if only they actually had a pass rusher that could be used to generate pressure on the QB like John Gruden's looking for. Yeah, you know, if they had someone like that that they didn't trade to the Bears before the season started. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, uh, you know, in that game, like, the, the Miami tried to give that one away. Uh, they came back uh, to win 28-20. Uh, but, you know, the Raiders, again, falling apart again late in the second half because they don't have a pass rush. It's it's clearly obvious. Teams figure out the Raiders' defensive strategy. The Raiders can't create uh, turnovers. And they can't create uh, sacks to get off the field with a pass rush. It's pretty clear-cut what's wrong with this team. But, uh, you know, John Gruden will say what he wants. Uh Getting into the late afternoon games, you had Dallas going to Seattle and losing to the Seahawks uh, 24-13. Dallas just looked like a mess. Uh, Dak Prescott, again, throwing less than 200 yards. Also threw two interceptions, both to Earl Thomas, who somehow got a a taunting penalty for bowing. Uh, That's a new one. Uh, But, you know, it's the NFL. Uh but Seattle didn't manage to run the football. I mean, they kept pounding the ball with Chris Carson. 32 carries for 102 yards. The play calling is still atrocious for Seattle. Between Brian Schottenheimer and Jason Garrett, I mean, these are two of the worst offensive coordinators in the league. 
Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had uh, 127 yards on 16 carries, yet Dallas is th- dropping back and throwing 34 times. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It's like, use the run to uh, create play-action opportunities. Instead, Dallas is trying to throw the football and then run with Zeke when they're down multiple scores. It doesn't make any sense how this team's being managed. I know Cowboys fans have got to be uh, like just banging their heads against walls because it doesn't make any sense how that team's being run right now, and no one's happy. And coming into our final game of the day, which was a masterpiece theater of how not to coach NFL teams, uh, you had the Bears doing everything in their power to give away a game to Arizona, and then Arizona decided to give the game right back to the Bears. Chicago wins this one 16-14, and it was not nearly as exciting as the scoreline may have indicated. Basically, this game came down to the fact that Mitchell Trubisky is a terrible NFL quarterback right now. On the flip side, Sam Bradford looks to be completely done as an NFL starting QB, but Arizona refused to pull him until the last four minutes of the game when then they threw Josh Rosen out there to the Wolves with Khalil Mack and the Bears defense ready to go after the quarterback. Made no sense to me. You know, and of course Rosen struggled, mainly because he was ice cold, and you're trying to have him lead the team after you go down 16-14 when the Bears kick a field goal. Mind you, the Bears try to give this game away because they're down one, and they're trying to go for it on a fourth and one when they're in a chip shot field goal range. Now, I know Cody Parkey sucks as a kicker, I know he sucks, but it's a chip shot. And if you can't have your kicker kick a 32-yard field goal, you need to get a new kicker. The fact that Matt Nagy tried to go for it on fourth down and then had to be talked into calling timeout is inexcusable because they had to burn a timeout just to use a rational thinking to go up ahead. Yes, would you like to get a touchdown to uh, make sure you ice the game? Yeah, of course you would. But you got to at least take the lead. It's four minutes left to go in the game. It makes absolutely no sense to try to, because uh, if you miss it, you gave Arizona a chance to salt the game away, and you might not get the ball back. Uh, you know, just utterly mind-boggling decision-making there by the Bears. They got away with it, mainly because Arizona just decided to throw out a rookie QB, and, you know, there was no word on uh, uh, Sam Bradford being injured. They just decided to bench Sam Bradford at the most critical juncture of the game. It made no sense. But anyway, uh, you know, the less said about that game, the better. Uh, Let's get into some of the lineups for Sunday Night Football. Uh, Josh Gordon is inactive for the Patriots. Uh, So getting into uh, my thoughts on doing uh, DFS lineups uh, just uh, uh, for the Sunday Night Showdown. I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, because I know a lot of folks are going to be on Brady and the Patriots. Uh, I'm thinking of mixing this one up a bit, though. Uh, I may uh, be leaning more towards the side of uh, uh, doing uh, Kenny Galladay or uh, Marvin Jones Jr. in the captain spot. Uh, I mean, Golden Tate could go there as well, but like Golden Tate, uh, because it's like one and a half points, uh, when you're using the captain slot uh, for uh, DraftKings, it, it makes it difficult uh, playing the higher-priced players and being able to fit more value players onto the roster. So I'm thinking of 
going with Galladay in the captain spot. Uh, then in my remaining flex spots, the remaining uh, five flex spots, uh, I'll take both quarterbacks. I'll take Brady and I'll take Stafford, and we'll see game flow wise. Uh, typically, uh, I would go with uh, both kick, uh, like one kicker. Uh, I'll take the better kicker in Goskowski, but Prater could easily be a play here for uh, for folks. Uh, I'll take Marvin Jones to, uh, Jr. because, like I said. It's between him and Galladay for the captain spot, so obviously I'll have Jones Jr. as a flex. And then my last flex spot, I'll take Theo Riddick, uh, just because uh, the the Lions do like to check down quite a bit to their backs, and you know Theo Riddick is their best pass catching back, so uh, I'll, I'll go with Riddick there in that spot because uh, Riddick will uh, uh, run me 5200, so that should uh, uh, take up the rest of my cap space uh, pretty much. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in, in this game, you know, I would expect the Patriots to win, but I can also see a lot of garbage points being scored by Detroit later on. So, again, uh, per my spread picks, I'm taking New England, but I can easily see a situation where Detroit does a backdoor cover as well. So, uh, you know, that's where I'm, I'm going to be leaning towards in terms of uh, – uh, the picks uh, tonight, and uh, you know what? Uh, we're we're getting real close to game time, so I'm going to sign off here and get this episode uploaded. So, uh, good luck, folks, and uh, have a good night. It's the most talked about position in all of sports: the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought-after role on the field: celebrity QB. Featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.